Welcome to Sports Tonight on a Wednesday. I am flying solo. I'm sports producer Scott Pennyman here. We definitely uh, got a lot of football to talk about today, right? There's a whole lot of football topics that are on my mind. Um, actually, I'm just fresh uh, back in here in studio. I was out at the uh, Falcons training camp earlier today. So, look, there's a whole lot. There's a whole lot of excited people out there at uh, Falcons camp. There was lots of fans there today. There's been lots of fans all week there. So there seems to be a lot of excitement around this team. Uh, this morning, the general manager, Terry Fontenot, got out there, and he, uh, he talked a lot about a lot of the expectations with this team as far as, you know, look, it's their third year, right? It's him and Arthur. They're in their third year here of this program. Last two seasons, they've won seven games. So, of course, if you follow the NFL, like pretty much if you're watching this show right now, you probably do. You know how the NFL works. So, when you think about it, once a team makes, uh, once a team hires a new head coach, they hire a new general manager, there's normally a certain amount of time they're going to have before the expectations are going to be playoffs, right? So Arthur Blank seems like a pretty understanding man, right? I mean, he's, you know, he's not stupid. He got in business. He's been a very successful businessman for a long time. However, like everybody else, he want to win. So he came out and talked yesterday at everything. He was out at camp and people were, you know, he said, look, I'm patient with this group. This is one of the, 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 the best groups we've had in a while. However, we need to win. So, Joe Madrid, Terry Fontenot came up and he spoke to us today in the media and he's, you know, he basically spit back what Arthur Smith, what, uh, what uh, Arthur Blank said, what owner Arthur Blank said. And he goes, look, this is the NFL. We all know we need to win. And we all know this is the third season of our program. And <laughs> Terry's been around this thing long enough, right? I mean, I think we've all been around. He knows very few coaching or general manager uh, situations last past three years if you don't make the playoffs. We know that. We've all, we've all watched enough NFL where we know that's, that's the situation, right? So, of course, the questions came up. If you guys don't make the playoffs this year, do you think you'll be here this year, uh, after this year? Do you think Arthur will be here after this year? So he's like, look, you know, kind of the way he responds to that, we're like, look, we understand we have to win. This is a winning business. This is a bottom line business. We know we must win. And, uh, but I think that, of course, he's, <laughs> of course, he's a general manager that's in place. He's not advocating for himself to get fired. Like, I mean, who would do that? That's crazy, right? But he did kind of come out and say, look, Wins and losses might not be the only judge of things, right? I mean, we're going in the right direction. The program is going in the right direction. So maybe if we don't make the playoffs this year, it doesn't mean all is lost. I don't know if I'm totally with him there. I mean, i got to be honest, right? I mean, I like Terry Fontenot. No, he seems to be a real solid dude. Arthur Smith, really, really solid dude, too. But. Like I've said so many times on this show, you've seen head coaches survive one year without making the playoffs. 
We've seen head coaches survive two years without making the playoffs. It ain't a lot of head coaches that survived three years in the NFL without making the playoffs. Let's just be real. So I just really have to think long and hard. If this team doesn't uh, make the playoffs or if they, even if they win seven games again, that's, that's being stagnant. And that's also not accepted either. So I just can't really believe that if this team misses the playoffs again, that both Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith will be back next season. I just, I just can't imagine that, you know. Now, yes, you can really lean on different sort of uh, what people would call excuses or whatever or just reasons. Yes, they have a young quarterback in Desmond Ritter. Yes, they have very young targets around him. Yes, they have Kyle Pitts, who's rehabbing an injury. So those are all reasons, or if, you, <laughs> if you're a fan, you'll say excuse, why they could end up falling short of their goal this year. But this is the NFL, right, which we all know stands for not for long if you don't win enough. So, yeah, I mean, so that's, that was really the basis of what, Terry was talking about this morning, but I know he sang a lot of praises also for Bijan Robinson, the first round pick. Of course, right, the general manager singing praises over his draft pick, right? Crazy, right? But no, but no, seriously though, he really, it really seems like in watching practice too. I watched a little bit of practice uh, this morning and a couple of days ago. They're really going to use Bijan Robinson as a weapon. I mean, like, if you want to think about the way the team is going to use Bijan Robinson. Think Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush, 2006, first-round pick, New Orleans Saints. Wasn't really a between-the-tackles guy, but he was used as more of a weapon. I mean, they threw the ball to him out the backfield. They ran him. I mean, they absolutely beat you over the head with Reggie Bush. Think that when you're thinking about what Bijan Robinson is going to be in this offense in 2023. That's why I think he, it validates him being a top-10 pick, just because you're not just getting him to run the football, because we all know how running backs are treated in today's NFL. Don't let me start down that road, right? But I think when you look at Bijan and you look at his skill set, he was lined up a lot at wide receiver the last few days in camp. I mean, they use him a lot in – when you talk to him, I think he thinks he's going to be used a lot at the wide receiver position. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he's used this year. And I expect some, I mean, just when you think about it, when you think about Desmond Ritter, who also spoke this morning too, and he was asked about the owner's expectations and everything. And he's, I think he's very reasonable. He knows what this is. He knows he's, look, even though he's only in the second season, he understands what professional football is all about, right? This ain't college, right? So if he doesn't do enough winning this year, he knows this time next year, you know, right before the 2024 draft, they're probably going to be looking for a new quarterback. That's just the business. That's, that's how it is in professional football. So he's a very, when you listen to Desmond Ritter talk, he's a very uh, intelligent young man. So I think even he understands that he's a third-round pick. So if he doesn't perform up to expectations this year, like they've put every – and this is one thing I will give the Falcons front office a lot of credit for. They've put a lot of weapons around him. I mean, when you think about their first-round picks the last three years, Kyle Pitts, 
Drake London, Bijan Robinson. That's a whole lot of firepower around a young QB. So I think they're fair. I think the expectation is that he steps right into things this year after playing, what, only about four games last year. I think the expectation is he needs to hit the ground running this year, okay? And if he doesn't, don't be surprised if there's another quarterback that they take in the first round next year under center. Because, like I said, we all know that's how this works, right? So, this has been an interesting week around the NFL, right? So, when you think about uh, the situation with the Jets, right? I mean, that's been like a real, real juicy topic this week, right? So, it started with Sean Payton earlier last week talking to – and look, I give him credit. He was really just sticking up for his guy. So, People were talking about how bad things were in Denver last year with Russell Wilson. I mean, look, anybody who watched Russell Wilson last year, you thought that man took about 10 steps back. I mean, he was dreadful as a quarterback last year, right? So Sean Payton, sticking up for his guy, gets on TV and goes, look, that was one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history last year. Nathaniel Hackett, man, he didn't know what he was doing. You know, so that started a firestorm. That started a crazy firestorm where – Aaron Rodgers, the great Aaron Rodgers, who's now the quarterback of the New York Jets, who's been with who's been with Nathaniel Hackett for a long time, he gets out in front of there and he goes, "Look, keep my quarterback's name out your mouth." He didn't go up to him and do the Will Smith slap, but he told him, "Keep your keep your keep my coach's name out your mouth." So that sort of sent things reverberating around the whole NFL, and they've had that back and forth. But look. Let's be real for a second. Was Sean Payton lying? Was that not one of the worst coaching jobs you'd ever seen in NFL history last year that Nathaniel Hackett did out in uh, out with the Broncos? I mean, watching Russell Wilson last year play quarterback, I thought they snatched a quarterback from a local high school around here. I thought they snatched Buford's quarterback or something like that and were playing quarterback uh for the Broncos because that's how bad Russell Wilson looked. He looked terrible last year. I mean, he looked so uncomfortable. He looked like there was just no familiarity with that offensive system at all. Now, mind you, do I think Russell Wilson has suffered some decline uh, in the last few years from what he was as a quarterback? Sure, for certain. But I think that's natural when you get older. But to believe that he declined that much in that short a period of time, yeah, I, I don't believe that he declined that much. I think there's a lot of um, a lot of what Sean Payton said was warranted about the job that Nathaniel Hackett did. And let's be real, Nathaniel Hackett only got hired as the head coach of the Broncos because they thought he was going to be able to recruit Aaron Rodgers. Once that didn't happen. They had no use for Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, they got rid of him after, like, what, 15 games last year. That man couldn't even finish a season as the head coach of the Broncos. So that let you know right there they didn't even want the man. So, yeah, I think that was, if we're being honest, I think there was a lot of validity to what Sean Payton said. Now, look, Nathaniel Hackett's rebuttal, when they talked to him, he came out and said, look, he broke the code. You're not supposed to talk about other NFL head coaches that way. You know, unless you look, you broke the code, man. Okay, 
Did he break the code? Maybe. Maybe. But if you can't even make it through your first season without getting dumped <laughs> as a head coach, I mean, I know self-evaluation is hard. It's hard to evaluate oneself. It's real hard to look in the mirror and say, I suck. I get it. It's hard. But I think if Nathaniel Hackett is evaluating himself, he knows he did a horrendous job as a head coach last year. So, look, my man Sean Payton was just being honest. So, Nathaniel's a big boy. He'll be all right. But I don't think he'll ever get another chance to coach a National Football League team again. Let's just be real, okay? That that was uh, – but look, he landed on his feet. He landed with his guy Aaron Rodgers again. So, he's still coaching in the league. So, uh, I think from that standpoint, he'll be okay. But I just think it's real fascinating just to see a lot of these storylines across the NFL uh, that have really been taking place. I mean, it's not only that storyline, too. Look at the storyline with the running backs in, in the NFL. And the running back storyline is just so interesting, right? You know, because you have the owner in Indy, uh, Ursay, and that back and forth with his star running back, Jonathan Taylor. And Taylor, you know, basically hasn't reported – they're threatening to not pay him this season by basically saying he suffered an injury before he came to camp. And it's been a total mess, right? I mean, they met on a on Ursay's on bus at practice this week, and Ursay basically told him, hey, man, life moves on without you. I don't know how you move on at that point as an employee under a guy. If he basically brought you on his bus, looked you in your face and said, man, you don't really matter that much. Because if you're not here next year or this year, we're just going to move on without you. We're just going to replace you. This thing keeps going without you, without me. I just don't really know how you move on like that as an employee under someone. Who tells you that? He basically said you're just another cog in the system. One, one cog falls out, we just put another cog in. That's how they basically treated maybe the best football player on that team. So if you're Jonathan Taylor, I mean, what can you really do from here? I mean, he probably has nothing more to do than just say, look, trade me. And here's the funny part about things, right? So we talk so much about the running back position being devalued. We say, oh, look, you can, you know, you don't even need a really good running back. We can get a running back from anywhere. I mean, you know, the position is so devalued in today's NFL. That's funny because when a guy like Jonathan Taylor says, well, if I'm devalued, if I'm no good to you, just release me. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that, right? So if Saquon Barkley, look at his situation with the Giants. They say the running back position has been devalued. However, they didn't want to let Saquon Barkley go. They worked out something so he would come to camp. So it's really hard to say a person doesn't have much value when at the same time you're basically saying, oh, no, 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 we need you here <laughs> because you're, you're like 90% of our offense, like Saquon Barkley is with the Giants. So I just think that puts running backs in a really tough position, man. It puts them in a tough position because you're telling me that I'm not that valuable, yet when you look at how some of these offenses are composed like the Raiders last year, I mean – Nobody touched the ball more in that offense after the quarterback in the center more than Josh Jacobs. 
But yet they're treating the man like he's nothing. He's not there right now, and they just treating him like, Psh. he'll be back. He ain't got nowhere to go. He'll be back. It's just kind of crazy when you think about it. So, look, I'm just I'm just real fascinated by how the NFL is kind of treating the running back position because, look, I proposed something here, right? I know last week when I was proposing it, our sports director, Bailey, was like, come on, man. I said, look, what if the NFL running backs band together and said, look, we're going to do an organized walk-off if we're so not valuable, right? We're going to do an organized walk-off, except we're not going to tell you about it until 12.30 p.m. on September 10th, right before the first game of the season. You know how fun that would be if every single running back, not just not just the starters, not just the big time guys, but every single running back on the NFL roster walked out at 12:30 p.m. right before game time on the first week of the season. You talk about something that would get everybody's attention. Imagine that. You're gonna see quarterbacks throwing the ball about 80 times in week one. That could be look. That could either be work out really great for running backs or really poor because if we see a fun week where every quarterback is throwing the ball 80 or 90 times, that could backfire, right? And they'll probably come back and look at somebody like me who even suggested something so stupid and said, man, what were you talking about? <laughs> but no, I think if you want to attain uh, results, sometimes you have to do something drastic. And I think if running backs are going to, uh, once again, reach a point where they feel valued, they're going to have to do something drastic. And I wonder if it might be some sort of boycott. We'll see. So finally here, let's, let's switch some gears to some college football, right? So yesterday they came out with this, uh, the odds of winning a national championship, right? So it says teams with the best odds to make the college football playoff. Now, at the very top of that list, they have my Ohio State Buckeyes at the top. So that's part of the reason why I even chose this as a topic, because I'm proud to say the Ohio State Buckeyes are at the top of that list. But number two is UGA. Of course they're number two, right? I mean, they're the two-time defending national championships. I think the only reason why they're not number one and at the top of that list is because they do have a different quarterback. Stetson Bennett won two national championships at UGA. Now they are probably going to be switching to Carson Beck as their quarterback. I mean, he seems to be the front runner right now. So I think that's the only reason why they're number two. And then when you roll out the rest of the list, you got Alabama. Of course, you always have to put Alabama in there. As long as Nick Saban is at Alabama, he's going to be right there in the championship in the college football playoff mix. Uh, Texas, which is kind of surprising. I mean, it seems like people believe in Texas every year, and every year they let you down. But whatever. Hey, they do got uh, uh, the Manning kid there, uh, Arch Manning. So it'll be really interesting. Well, he probably won't play a lot this year because they have Quinn Ewers, who's probably a potential first-round pick. And so that's probably why they're kind of high in the rankings as far as uh, expectations. But with Texas, it's always, we got to see, man. I mean, how many years has Texas been had high hopes and and uh you know they've been uh they they've had high expectations and they let you down? With Texas, it's pretty much I believe it when I see it. I believe it when I see it because 
with the Longhorns, man, they let you down so much. They did go. They did play a really good game against Alabama last year, um, which led you to believe that they're going in the right direction. But I don't think they're there yet. And once again, until I see it on the field, I won't believe it. But we'll see. And then the team who kind of rounds out that list, we have Michigan. A couple teams. We have Michigan. I think they'll be back strong again. Harbaugh seems to have that thing going in the right direction. They beat my Buckeyes two years in a row, so it seems like they're in the right direction. And they got USC with uh, Lincoln Riley out there at USC. Did a really good job his first year at USC. Um, so I think the expectation is that they'll come back and be even better. Uh, we'll see. I mean, they've got the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, returning at quarterback, so there's no reason why they won't be one of the best teams in the country uh, next year. Look, we'll see how it all comes out. All I know is football is back in effect. That's great because it gives me a lot to cover. It gives all of us a lot to watch, and it gives all of us a lot to talk about, right? So, hey, that's sports tonight on a Wednesday. Once again, I'm sports producer Scott Pennyman. I'll be right back at you tomorrow uh, with some more sports. Be ready. I hope you tune in. I'll see you then.